Thanks everyone for tuning in this summer. You're the reason we've hit record numbers of downloads this season. I would love for you to please also leave a rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or your other favorite streaming app. It helps other listeners to find our show. We're taking a short break to get ready for season four. Our focus will be on structural issues that face our election system and what's at stake in the upcoming midterm election. The first guest will be Brian Miller, the executive director of Nonprofit Vote, which is the managing partner of National Voter Registration Day. Be sure you're subscribed and see you in September. Welcome to Future Hindsight. I'm Mila Atmos. Why is now the right time to honor the contribution of women for our country and give them a historical monument? Our guests on Future Hindsight today are well equipped to answer this question. Two members of the board of directors of the Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony Statue Fund and their campaign, Monumental Women. Pam Elam is the president of the board. She has worked in public service for many decades and has worked for women's rights and equality for over 50 years. Welcome, Pam. Thank you. Glad to be here. Namita Luthra is a director of the board, a women's rights advocate and litigator, and has spearheaded a wide range of efforts to advance the rights of women and girls throughout her career. Welcome, Namita. Thank you. Happy to be here. Tell us about your organization and the Monumental Women Campaign. Why statues? We have a three-part program, and I'm delighted to say that we have managed to break the bronze ceiling in New York City's Central Park and create the first statue of real women in the 164-year history of that park. But it's not just about the statue, because we think that you have to rethink the past in order to reshape the future. So the statue is part one. Part two will be an educational campaign about women's history and the vast and varied contributions women have made to this country and this world. And the final part will be a challenge to all municipalities across the country to rethink their public spaces and to include all the people who made those cities great by tributes to women and people of color. So what we're hoping to do is give people an understanding of moving history forward to just make sure that we have honored everyone and then carry on the fight that these valiant women who came before us started and achieve full equality for women in our lifetimes. So what can you tell us about the women that you chose and why you chose to honor them? Well, the actual monument will have two figures, Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony, and many people don't realize they were New Yorkers. But our monument is indeed to a movement, to the women's suffrage movement, and we honor all the women who fought for the right to vote. Because as you know, the women's suffrage movement is the largest nonviolent revolution in the history of this nation, when over half the population was enfranchised. This will be an instant history history lesson. It talks about how social change comes about and what it takes to fight. It took 72 years of fierce struggle for women to win the vote in this country. Is it a coincidence that you picked these women, or in this movement, 
at this time where the rights of women are under attack in the United States? Well, it's not a coincidence at all. In fact, it's historically based because one of the reasons we wanted to break the bronze ceiling and honor Stanton, Anthony, and all the suffragists who fought for the right to vote is that 2020 will be the centennial anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment to the Constitution when women finally won the vote. So in 2020, our monument will be unveiled on the Mall in Central Park. Our Women's History Education campaign will start, and that challenge to municipalities that I mentioned will start. But it's also uh, the 200th anniversary of the birth of Susan B. Anthony. So it's a kind of feminist perfect storm, historically as well as organizationally. In an ideal world, how do you imagine this unfolding into the future? What we hope for is to encourage people all over the world to just think about their public spaces. How are they used? What does it say about a city, the way that certain people are honored, certain people are not? And quite frankly, we all know that women and people of color have been left out of history because Men wrote most of it. So what we're trying to do is urge everyone to fight for a full and fair historical record that includes all of us. And then let's see those representations of people who changed things, who fought for us, and who are responsible for the rights that we enjoy today. And feel, when we look at those statues, feel a responsibility to carry on that work, not just honor it, which is incredibly important, but carry it on. So there are 23 statues of historical figures in Central Park, but not one is a woman, which is why you're doing this. But why is it that there aren't any women? Do you know? Well, one of the things that breaks my heart, uh, actually, is to think about the millions and millions of people who walk through Central Park and any park and don't even notice that real women are missing. We have to recognize the importance of seeing images, and certainly little girls who walk through a park that doesn't respect and honor the contribution of women. What does that say to them about their role in society? And little boys who don't see it either. So in terms of the curriculum and some educational materials we will be providing, as I've said, we're going to have some role models and some people that uh, folks can look to, and and there's a whole long and rich history that they just don't know about yet. So a statue is more than a historical monument. What is the role of statues in training a society to admire someone? Well, I think that is a, a fundamental point, especially in the ongoing conversations that we're having now about what statues should be removed and what statues should come into being, like ours. I mean, we're the good news statue. We're honoring half the population and the right to vote and focusing in on a major anniversary. But what about the statues of a lot of those people who don't deserve to be honored, who've done quite uh, awful things in some cases. I mean, that conversation finally is happening, and I welcome it. I want people to start actually thinking about what it means to see how a society, how a community chooses to honor someone and not honor someone else. So that's a discussion long overdue, and I hope that we all approach it with goodwill and understanding, but nevertheless get to the main point that 
women and people of color have been erased from history in a large and devastating way. What is the most common misconception about statues? The most common misconception is that they don't matter, that they're just kind of uh, the equivalent of furniture in uh, a room. But they do matter. And as we're discussing now, what they say about who's important and who isn't shapes people's views of not only history, but the role that they might have in history. I mean, we want people of all ages to look at that statue and think, you know, I could make a change, too, in whatever way I choose. I could I could affect history, and we want to redefine history so that it becomes a more active verb-like uh, concept rather than something in dust on a shelf that, you know, a book uh, long ago that doesn't include anything up to date might have told you uh, was the reality of the world. My next question is a little bit different. It's a little bit about the technicalities, the way you actually got this done. You mentioned that you finally broke through the bronze ceiling. What did it take to get there? Dealing with any bureaucracy is a challenge, uh, to be sure, and you have to constantly just not take no for an answer. I mean, you just persist. So in our case, I'll give you four just quick examples. One, we had to send a a letter of intent as uh, required uh, by guidelines on the Parks Department uh, website. And we asked for a meeting. In that meeting, we were told by the representatives of the New York City Parks Department and the Central Park Conservancy, no, there will be no new statues in Central Park. It's a historical collection. We persisted. Then they said, well, why don't you pick another park? Or do you really want a statue? How about a nice garden? So we persisted. And then they said, well, okay, yeah, you can have the statue, but it has to be outside the wall of Central Park. And how many times and how many ways have women been told to stay outside a wall or stay behind a barrier? And we said, no, it's in the park, and we won't accept being outside the wall. So we persisted, and we ended up in a beautiful spot on the mall in Central Park, but it was an incredible fight. And the last example is no one else in the history of monuments in Central Park in terms of their advocacy has had to meet the criteria that they imposed on us. The Parks Department made us prove that Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony had actually been in Central Park. And uh, women's history is my great love, so I knew where to look. I knew where to prove that, and we did. We proved Susan B. Anthony walked all over Central Park. Elizabeth Cady Stanton took carriage rides there. She played with her children. We're honoring other New Yorkers here. Stanton and Anthony formed the Women's Loyal National League during the Civil War and got 400,000 petition signatures to end slavery through the ratification of the 13th Amendment, and they sent those uh, signatures to President Lincoln and Congress. Elizabeth Cady Stanton was the first woman who ever ran for Congress in 1866, and she did it in New York City in what was then the 8th Congressional District. Stanton and Anthony published and wrote their newspaper, The Revolution, here in New York from 1868 to 1870. And they founded the National Women's Suffrage Association here in 1869. We want people to know they're a part of New York, as well as being a part of the nation and a part of the revolution for women's rights all around the world. Yes. In fact, 
they are not just for women's rights. The idea that women gain this right and it might take away from the pie is actually inaccurate. Our society is better because we have the voices and the votes of women as part of our society and have a larger, more enriched pie. And how long did it take you to get this far? And what does it mean to persist? Because you said that several times. What does that look like? Well, uh, it's exhausting, but uh, important. And it looks like a movement. It looks like social change. It looks like moving history forward. And we've been working now for five years, and by 2020, you know, seven years uh, to the actual unveiling. And in the whole scheme of things, that's a pretty short time. You know, we've uh, made good progress, and it's because that we have built a, a, a level of support with a lot of women elected officials, with a lot of uh, folks who are just... Uh, so disappointed in this city that women are not honored and women are not recognized in terms of their accomplishments, that they're really willing to join in. As Susan B. Anthony said, failure is impossible and it may take a long time, but keep fighting and never, never give up. Wow. What other women should we have statues for? The list is so long, and uh, the opportunities are so many that that's the exciting thing. When we challenge municipalities, let's hear what people have to say. Who's a woman that you want to see honored? What's a legacy you want remembered? That's part of the excitement, because once you learn about women's history, it's like a treasure chest filled with inspiring stories and energizing actions, and you learn from it, and you learn how not only social change comes about, but the more you understand history, the better agent of social change you can be. So it's a package deal that keeps on giving. Why did you have a design competition? Well, in terms of making sure that we gave everybody an opportunity to express how you think this statue should look, and we had almost 100 applications of sculptors from around the country, and we selected four finalists and now have uh, selected a winner. We wanted to open it up. It's not something that we make every decision about everything. We enjoy hearing people's thoughts, and that's what we want. We want to start a dialogue. We want people to talk about it and then spread the word and get other people excited about this whole thing because it is the beginning and the starting point. So, Namita, you mentioned you have been actively trying to get young people, girls, to get involved with this campaign. Tell us more about that. Sure. There's a Girl Scout troop in New York who had already contributed some money and raised public awareness about the statue fund. And I had the idea to take that to my daughter's Girl Scout troop. And I'll never forget them all sitting on the carpeted floor of a basement hearing this for the first time. Many of them have grown up near Central Park, have spent their entire lives playing in Central Park. And the reactions were, they couldn't believe it, not a single woman. How could that be? And then a flurry of ideas started coming out of them. What could they do? Make posters, protest, sell cookies. And that's what they did. And cookie box by cookie box, they raised $2,000, which was double their original goal. And they donated all of that money to the statue fund. 
They also wrote to their senator, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. They wrote handwritten letters and typed letters explaining why this was important to them, why it mattered to them, and what they planned to do about it. And about a month later, they received a response from the senator. Uh, She said that she never stops fighting for something that she believes in, and she was happy to see their political activism as well. What was one of the most compelling reasons that the girls wrote about? I think it occurred to them that once they read the news reports about the 23 statues that are in Central Park, nearly all of them are men, and there's also a dog named Balto, a historic dog. So I think they found that incredibly infuriating that there's a dog in Central Park who's honored, but no real women. And the statues of the female representations in Central Park, like Mother Goose or Winged Victory, who stands in front of the statue of General William Tecumseh Sherman. They're not real women. They're allegorical representations of women or fictional women. And of the 42 million annual visitors to Central Park, they deserve to see real women, women who built this country, who expanded our definition of we the people, women who helped realize the American promise, those are the women who ought to be in the park. And as a result of the efforts of the Statue Fund and Monumental Women, they now will be. What makes you hopeful for the future? Pam. I'm hopeful that women are finally coming to the realization that they have to put their issues first. Women are understanding through the Me Too movement, the Time's Up movement, a lot of the other uh, things that are happening, that if you don't put your own issues first, no one else is going to do that. Women have to really begin the discussion, that it's not something you can wait that someone else will do. So finally, a lot of folks are doing that, and it's very encouraging, and the numbers are so astounding. It's not just a group here or a group there. It's a country. It's a world. The marches that have happened show us indeed how big the momentum is. So I'm very, very hopeful that this will be a benchmark moment. This will be a moment history will remember in a fundamental way when things changed. And getting the Equal Rights Amendment passed would be a good first step. Uh, So there are changes, large and small, that will be a result of that movement because women will not stop this time or be deterred. Since you mentioned it, the Equal Rights Amendment, what are the odds of that passing anytime soon? I think the odds are good. I mean, the long and short of it is, as people who understand the history of the ERA, we have one more state to get in order to reach the number necessary for ratification. What will the ratification do for women? I'll just say, don't underestimate the importance of actually being in the Constitution. Women have had cases through the Supreme Court for uh, a long, long time that were based on the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment or one thing or another and have them struck down. If 
rights for women are actually a part of the Constitution and not just left to the interpretation of overwhelmingly male judges about what is or is not equal protection, what is or is not due process, what is or is not strict scrutiny or rational basis, all the tests, then you can't take that away. Namita, what makes you hopeful for the future? The Monumental Women campaign is about statues, but what it really centers on for me is the question of how women and girls in our society are valued, how we value women and girls in the present, how we honor and commemorate the contributions of women in the past, and what sort of legacy we plan to leave for our daughters and our sons in the future. And it's not three separate questions. It's really one question about the worth of women. And I think women are seeing that their absence from city parks and boardrooms and governance, it it doesn't stop in any one field or one industry. They're seeing that that has an impact on their lives, and they are engaging in a way that feels new and different, and it's more robust. Something that I have seen through the Statue Fund in this campaign are having meetings with women in small rooms who are gathered. They are 80, and they are excited for 2020 for the unveiling of this statue through the involvement of the Girl Scouts, of different troops of Girl Scouts, who go all the way down to age eight. It's really an intergenerational conversation that's happening. And you're seeing right in front of you women's history being made. That's exciting for me and rewarding. And it's been a wonderful thing to be a part of. Thank you both very much for coming in today and talking about monumental women. Thank you. At a time when we're removing statues of dishonorable men from public spaces and openly debating Who deserves a monument? This initiative is actively reframing our choices. Monumental Women challenges our cultural beliefs that we didn't even know we had. Most of us are so accustomed to pay minimal attention to the statues that stand in our public spaces that it comes as a surprise that there's not a single statue of a woman in Central Park. Indeed, we have not yet fully decided how women and girls should be valued in our society. The Me Too and Time's Up movements are part of rectifying the misperception that women are worthless. Erecting the statues of suffragettes will not only remind us of the women's fierce movement for the right to vote in this country, it will also be the beginning of how we want to honor and commemorate the contributions of women going forward. Thank you for listening to Future Hindsight. The executive producer and host of this program is Mila Atmos. The audio producer and music composer is Peter Fedak. The associate producer is Miriam Tsumbu. Find us online at futurehindsight.com and listen to us through your favorite streaming services. Thank you.